0: Right this second, your immune system is protecting you from all the many potential bugs and foreign particles that can make you sick. Bacteria, viruses, fungi, pollen, even food. When you're healthy, you don't realise how much work your immune system is doing to keep these nasties away. But if your immune system is out of whack, it can have a huge impact on your health and your quality of life. In this episode, we're talking with a researcher who is trying to figure out why diseases of the immune system occur and how they might be best treated. Hi, I'm Mara Jean Tilley and this is Medical Minds, the podcast of the Garvin Institute of Medical Research. In this series, we're diving deep into the minds of our amazing researchers to find out how they tick and how they are working to make our lives better. With me here is Associate Professor Cindy Ma. Welcome, Cindy.
1: Thanks, Mara-Jean. It's great to be here.
0: Cindy, you're the head of the Human Immune Disorders Lab at the Garvan. What's the focus of your research?
1: Yeah, our lab works on a whole lot of disorders that affect the immune system. This includes immune deficiency, which is when the immune system doesn't function properly. And a great example of that is a boy in the bubble. So he had a mutation in the common gamma chain, which meant that he actually had no functional immune system at all. His doctors put him inside a sterile bubble to protect him from the outside world. Allergy is another example, and this is when the immune system is actually overactive. And some examples of allergies include hay fever and food anaphylaxis. Autoimmunity and some common autoimmune diseases that we may have heard of include Srogan syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes and lupus. So these are all diseases that we work on in my lab and what we really want to investigate is the immune cells within these individuals. How are they not functioning properly? What pathways are they involved in
0: and how can we correct that? Cindy, what is the underlying cause of all these immune disorders? Is it genetic? We think a large
1: proportion of it is genetic. Obviously, there are environmental triggers as well, but we believe that a lot of it is in your genes. And this is when individuals have specific mutations in key genes that then result in a compromised or non-functioning immune system. The amount of genes that have been identified has really increased in you know the last decade. So we're at 485 different genetic variations that result in immune deficiency.
0: And how many genes do you think are yet to be discovered?
1: At the moment, in, so the IUIS Committee, which is an international consortium, they have a report every year. And at the moment, we're probably adding
0: about 20 to 30 new genes annually. Can you explain a little more about what a primary immune deficiency is? And is this typically diagnosed in children or adults?
1: The primary immune deficiency is when you have a mutation in a key gene of immune system and as a result your immune system does not function properly. An example of one primary immune deficiency which we have worked on for quite a few years now is called stat-free loss of function. The individuals that that have this mutation get a disease called hyper-IgE syndrome. This protein is really critical for our defence against fungal and bacterial infections, which is primarily what these individuals get. And work done in my lab has um, shown that this is because, as a result of an absence of functioning STAT3, you do not generate a helper CD4 T cell population called Th17 cells. And these cells are really important in fighting off candida and streptococcal
0: infections. And what happens to the patients that don't have this functioning gene? What are the symptoms?
1: So as I was saying earlier, they really can't fight off bacterial and fungal infections, which to you and I may not you know, seem that severe, but we're talking like constant infections. You know, one particular case that I can think of, like he was in hospitals for weeks, months on end on IV antibiotics, just because he couldn't fight off bacterial infections which were really affecting his lung capacity.
0: So what are the current treatments? Is there a cure? No, not really. Um, In terms of the
1: treatment is antibiotics, antifungals. Um, The cure is bone marrow transplantation.
0: And how dangerous is undergoing a bone marrow transplant?
1: If you're entirely healthy, undergoing a bone marrow transplantation has great success. But a lot of the time, if you've got a healthy child, you don't want to be giving them a bone marrow transplantation. And then if you wait until they get sick, you know, the, the outcomes aren't as good. And a lot more side effects, um, probably meaning longer hospitalisation and probably higher chance of rejection as well. And I guess this is really why we're doing the research that we do in the lab to really work out how these genes are functioning in the immune system, the types of cells that they're affecting. I haven't mentioned that STAT3 is also in B cells. So these are antibody-producing cells. So there are a whole lot of issues with the ability of these individuals to generate antibody responses to normal infection as well as to vaccination. And we really want to understand how these cells work together, how it's all functioning. So we think of more targeted therapies to treat these individuals. And this is what's interesting about primary immune deficiency. You think that you have a deficiency of immune system, which is, you know, a non functioning immune system, and this is where it's at. But then at the same time, these individuals are also getting an overactive immune system in the form of allergies. And some of them also get autoimmunity. The immune system isn't working the way it should in terms of fighting off bacteria, viruses and fungi, but it's overreacting and then attacking itself as well in the case of autoimmunity. And this is why the immune system is
0: really so complex. Immunology sounds like it's a rapidly evolving field. What's it like to be working at the coalface of these new discoveries with clinicians and patients every day? It's really exciting.
1: I think science is quite slow. Miracles don't happen overnight. It is quite slow work, but it makes it really worthwhile knowing that you are dealing with individuals that are actually really affected by these diseases and to know that you are trying to work out why Because I guess a lot of the time, it's not necessarily curing the disease, like curing the disease is fantastic, but having the explanation for disease,
0: I think is really fulfilling for patients and their families. Cindy, you must have cases that are really challenging at times, where you just can't seem to find the answer for the patient. How do you manage
1: that? So Circa, which stands for the Clinical Immunogenomics Research Consortium of Australasia. So this program was really set up because we were getting a lot of primary immunodeficiency patients where we couldn't find what the gene was. So what we decided to do as a group, and this is a group of you know, scientific researchers, clinicians, geneticists, genetic counsellors, we decided to do whole genome sequencing. So look at the whole genome of 130 individuals from 70 different families. And we managed to find a diagnosis in 40% of those 130, which meant there's still a significant amount, more than half that remain undiagnosed. We're still working on them. So I guess there's no single case which is difficult, but yeah, there's still a lot of patients with primary immune deficiency with
0: no known explanation at all. Can you tell us more about your work into allergies?
1: I guess I stumbled across the allergy research almost by accident because, as I was saying earlier, like my focus is really on primary immune deficiencies and infectious susceptibilities and having to deal with, you know, bacterial, fungal, viral infections. On the side, we're kind of ignoring that a lot of these individuals actually had allergies. And so I'm going back to that now and hoping that these individuals And the mutations and the genes that are affected in these individuals really give us some new insights into allergies and different pathways for generating allergies and different ways of treating allergies in a more general population.
0: Cindy, did you always want to be a scientist?
1: No, not at all. Um, Growing up, I actually always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to do medicine. Um, I grew up in Canberra. And in those days, um, medicine was not offered as a a subject at university, at ANU or um, University of Canberra. So I moved up to Sydney, went to Sydney University to do postgraduate medicine. The undergraduate course that most individuals did was medical science, which is what I did. Um, In my third year, I did a cell pathology course, which was offered to six individuals where we spent three to four weeks in different labs at University of Sydney And that really exposed me to science. Um, I got a taste of what it was like to be in the lab, to do experiments, and to write up a proposal that involved introduction and aim, methods, discussion, and then conclusions. As a result of that, I did an honours year, and then after that, a PhD. How was your time at uni? Was it all hard work? Yeah, so I I had a fantastic time at university, which I feel a lot of the university students um, today are missing out on. I sound really old now. They don't actually even turn up on campus. I love going to campus and that interaction of meeting up with friends at the cafeteria and, you know, we we did do a lot of studying as well. I did uh, three years undergraduate and then at Sydney University and I did one honours year at the Centenary Institute, which is also a department of University of Sydney, based inside a research institute. And then I did four years PhD there as well
0: and then came over to the Garvin Institute and I've been here ever since. Cindy, before you go, we need to ask you the fast five. Best holiday. Actually, my best friend
1: who I met at university and I haven't seen her for so many years, she got married in Italy and we went over for the wedding. And that was, that was such a fantastic holiday just because we got to spend time with her before she got married. And she had just organised a whole lot of um, activities for us to do, which involved wine tasting, driving around vineyards. She got married in a castle. It, was by far the most extravagant wedding that I have ever been to. And what about
0: your favourite book?
1: I would love to be say that I'm reading a novel at the moment, but I just finished reading my honours student's um, thesis, which he just submitted, which
0: was fantastic. He
1: got awarded first-class honours.
0: What's your favourite weekend activity?
1: Favourite weekend activity? Catching up with family and friends, going out to eat. I love having people over. I love hosting um, at home.
0: What's the last movie you watched?
1: The last movie I watched was... Um,
0: the new Top Gun movie of Tom Cruise. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. I liked it. I love a good um, action movie. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks, Mary Jean. It's actually been fun. If you'd like to know more about Associate Professor Cindy Ma's research or the work of the Garvin Institute, head to garvin.org.au. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and share with other podcast lovers. I'm Mara-Jean Tilley. Thanks for listening.
1: This podcast was recorded on the traditional country of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and Elders, past, present and emerging.